Hey there, McPherson here with the Felt Sense podcast. In the previous episode in this series on the Felt Sense while relating, I talked about why you can't force yourself to have close and trusting relationships. In this final episode in the series, I'll talk about how to have fulfilling relationships because that's really what we all crave. Here at It Begins to Move, I use body-based, nervous system-informed approaches to healing and finding the actions, needs, and decisions that are right for you. I have searched high and low for tools and philosophies that are are gentle, that are respectful, truly client-centered, but also very, very effective. And two of the tools that I found are called the felt sense and somatics. And the person who brought forth the felt sense, um, their name is Jean Genlin. And Jean Genlin was a philosopher and then a psychotherapist researcher at the University of Chicago. And the person who brought forth a specific kind of somatic movement called Hannah Somatics, um, his name is Thomas Hannah. He named the approach after himself, uh, Hannah Somatics. And Thomas Hannah was also a philosopher and then a movement theorist. So the exact descriptions of these two approaches are for a different time. But here in this discussion, I'd like to offer that Thomas Hannah and Jean Genlin both say that our bodies and experiences are affected by the environment that our bodies are in. And that can sound pretty obvious when said like that, but let's break this down a little bit more and talk about the, like, the nuanced implication of this concept in relational interactions while you're, while you're interacting with other people. So attachment theorists, anti-oppression justice workers, and Eastern wisdom traditions have been saying all this for years, uh, but the polyvagal theory and modern neuroscience have recently proved it. You are affected by your environment, or more specifically, your nervous system is affected by your environment. So what this means is if you're in an unfriendly environment where someone you are interacting with is expressing cues of disconnection or non-resonance, invalidation, discompassion, or overt violence, of course your nervous system will respond with activation and protective behaviors. Of course, that's what it's designed to do. One of the titles of Thomas Hanna's books, he actually has a handful of books, but one of the titles is called Bodies in Revolt, which I think is an incredible commentary on the consequences of living in the modern world anyway. But in Bodies in Revolt, Hanna's core premise is that your body will revolt against an environment that is frightening, um, unfair, oppressive, harmful, hurtful, or overly stressful. It will revolt by protecting itself with muscular armor. Modern neuroscience takes this wise and very ahead of its time premise and takes it a step further. So not only does your body become muscularly tight uh, when you're in an environment that feels frightening or threatening, but nearly all your body systems respond to that, that, that stressful threat. So your endocrine system, your immune system, your digestive and reproductive systems, and so on. And the polyvagal theory says that your happiness and connection systems are also involved in the response to a harsh, frightening, and stressful environment. So they shut down, um, eclipsed by other protective brain and body functions. You're not to blame if your nervous system is responding with activation and self-protection. Your nervous system does this 
automatically if it feels unsafe. And therefore, if you're responding in an activated way, you know for sure that there's something in your environment that truly and legitimately feels unsafe to you. Now, it's very common to say that when you're activated, you've misperceived a threat in your environment. And I'd like to take a moment here to comment on the use of the term misperception of threat. It's commonly said that when somebody who has a trauma response or a nervous system activation to something in an otherwise safe environment, so that's defined essentially as an environment where there's no threat or wherein someone else isn't, is not doing something with the intention of hurting or threatening someone else, is a misperceived threat. It said that someone with a with trauma misperceives a threatening environment where, where there actually isn't an actual threat present, or that their nervous system is misperceiving a threatening stimulus because what, they're, because what their nervous system is actually doing is responding to something from an experience that happened in the past, and that whatever that threatening thing is from the past, it's not actually present here in this current moment and situation. And then that's called a misperception of threat. But that's a misnomer. That's a misnomer. It's actually incorrect and frankly, an invalidating way to refer to a trauma response. A trauma response or a nervous system activation can only occur if a, triggering, if a triggering stimulus is present. You don't think you see a pig in your living room where there isn't actually one. That would be a hallucination, not a misperception. Someone who becomes triggered by something is triggered because the trigger is there. It's right there in your current environment. It may mean something in the current situation that's different than what it meant at a time in the past where something very challenging or frightening happened, but it is there. If someone that you're acting, that you're interacting with in the here and now uses a, a tone of voice or a facial expression or a particular phrasing that reminds you of a time in the past where that same tone of voice, facial expression or phrasing was also used and when you were hurt or harmed, then you're not misperceiving anything when your nervous system becomes activated or you become nervous or hypervigilant or scared or self-protective. You are seeing the pig in the room. It's not misperception. You might be anticipating that it means or signifies something harmful or hurtful when in the current situation it doesn't mean those particular scary things. But that ultimately becomes a question of meaning and context, of attribution, not perception. And your nervous system is in the business of perception, specifically noticing when certain stimuli are present and then sounding the alarm. That's its job. And if something harmful or hurtful happened to you in the past, then it's completely understandable to respond by anticipating harm if the situation has similar elements, if the current situation has similar elements completely understandable. It doesn't mean that you're broken, that you're stupid, oversensitive, can't handle yourself. It doesn't mean that you're misperceiving anything or that your nervous system is busted. Actually, it means that you're a reasonable human being who's bracing themselves to reduce impact. That's very human and it's actually natural and healthy. It's very smart. The polyvagal theory says that it's healthy for your nervous system to automatically protect itself if it doesn't feel safe. 
So here's the question. The million dollar question is, what is the solution? What is the way to get the things that come from safe connections, namely connection, validation, compassion, the intimacy that you're seeking, that we're all seeking in all of our relationships? Even business partnerships where there's connection, validation, and compassion, and compassion present are a zillion times easier, more pleasant, and more productive than business environments that are harsh and toxic. And of course, our personal and romantic relationships are most fulfilling, joyous and healthy when there's connection, validation, compassion, and intimacy. I don't mean sexual intimacy. I'm specifically talking about um, the kind of resonance that Dan Siegel talks about, that kind of feeling felt, a friendly, empathic resonance where you can really be seen and understood and where you can also really see and understand another person. It's a, a safety, a sense of safety that is so secure that it allows a willingness to be changed by another person to come forth. A kind of giving and receiving of love. Well, polyvagal theory, modern neuroscience, and somatic theories tell us that you have to feel safe in order to feel open and able to both give and receive. And in my last episode, I talked about how you can't fake it or force yourself to feel safe, that you really have to feel it. That sense of safety, which underlies intimacy, must be embodied. There's no way around that. Jean Genlin even says that our relationships are environments themselves. So it's not just that we need to feel physically safe in the space that we're in, we have to feel relationally safe. We have to feel that we can trust the other person with the expressions of ourselves. Vulnerability creates the deep, meaningful, and safe connections that we want, but we have to feel safe enough to do that in the first place. That is what makes fulfilling relationships, the sense of embodied safety. And if you're interested in learning more, I'm offering a free workshop about this problem of how to find connection, validation, and compassion while relating to other folks, about the felt sense of relating. The link is located in the show notes and I hope that you'll join. The next series in the Felt Sense podcast will actually be around self-worth and needs. If there are additional topics that you'd like to hear me break down, please let me know in the reviews on your favorite podcast channel um, or the notes below this video. Um, so this is McPherson on the Felt Sense podcast, and I look forward to seeing you in the future. Take care, kind soul.